how's it going? Episode 5, Gypsy Jazz Hangouts. Thanks for tuning in. Cornelius here. And this episode, we have the absolutely fantastic, world-famous Robin Nolan. Um, I'm pretty sure you know who Robin is, to be honest. He's, he's you know, arguably one of the most famous Gypsy Jazz guitar players on the planet. And uh, the story goes that we were meant to be doing a, uh, a podcast with Robin couple of weeks ago at the Green Note, he was going to be doing a gig there for Toby Medlin's Gypsy Jazz Festival of London. Uh, and before the gig uh, at the Green Note in Camden, we were going to record like a podcast session uh, with his band in front of an audience and then record it and then release it for you guys. But, you know, coronavirus and that. So since we couldn't meet up in person, we decided to do it online. We just did a little uh, Zoom meeting that we recorded. And uh, it was really fun. It was really cool to meet the guy. He's a super nice bloke and uh, really interesting guy. A lot of really interesting stuff to talk about. Talked a lot about how Gypsy Jazz has changed a lot since the 70s and 80s when it was kind of considered a bit lame and unhip in the in the, in the jazz world. Uh, we talk about what it was like trying to learn Gypsy Jazz before things like YouTube, before you know iReelBook, before there was all these resources that everybody could could use. Uh, we talk a bit about different influences that Robin has from outside of Gypsy Jazz that has an influence on his improvisation. And uh, he tells us a bit about his upcoming George Harrison project and uh, how he got to meet George Harrison and uh, sort of became good mates. Um, so yeah, you can also watch this on YouTube if you really want. It's not the most exciting footage in the world and about 50% of it is just my face, so if that doesn't put you off, I don't know what will. But you know, feel free to watch it if you want to. Um, yeah, cool. Let's let's have it. Uh, episode five. Cheers. Hello. Hi, mate. Hey, how's it going, man? How you doing, I'm Cornelius? On... No, Neil. Neil, isn't it? Or... It's uh, whichever you prefer. It's Cornelius on my birth certificate, but is that right? Yeah, okay. yeah. Neil keep that. Cornelius, yeah. Nice one, man. I keep that. There's not many Corneliuses around, right? I There's guess. very few. There is. My full name is actually Cornelius James Corkery. And one day on Facebook, I actually found another Cornelius James Corkery. Right. I sent him a message, being like, "Do you want to be mates?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, right. Yeah, that's. Hey, one second. I'll just close the door. One second. Uh, no bother. Uh. There we go. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Uh, hopefully the, the connection's all right. Uh, Sounds good on my end. It's good to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fine. Yeah, I'm just in my daughter's bedroom at the moment because just uh, it's a bit, you know, like we're, we're a fact. I've got two kids and um, uh, yeah. people crawling around, around, you know, around the house. So. I've, I've banished my girlfriend to the bedroom now. Oh, yeah, that's banished <laughs> is the word, is the correct <laughs> word. So I'm, I'm banished. You're I'm banished. banished to <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. How have you been keeping yourself busy then during the, the lockdown? Just much the same, you know, to be honest, you know, like uh, what I'm usually doing is sitting here with a guitar looking at a camera, you know, and um, yeah. so more of that, even more of that <laughs> and um, trying to stay a bit healthy, you know, mind and body, all the, all the typical a things. Few, a few of these, mate. Are you serious? Look yeah, man. And I'll what? tell you what, I'll tell you what else as well. A lot of years ago, you did a thing called the Nolan Cast. Do you remember that? Oh, that was that was literally that years was ago. A while yeah. ago, it was. Yeah. Um, it's just when I was first getting into Gypsy Jazz, and I found it. And I think the first episode you did, and I was expecting all this like stuff about 
guitar on that. And it was actually just a, like a health, healthy look. Yeah, I, 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 I know, I know. So that must have been when I, well, you know, I, so 10 years ago, that must have been about 10 years ago. Mm. Basically, basically, I got sober, right? So it's like, I, yeah, man. I, that's, that's just what happened to me. I'm just one of those guys that shouldn't drink, can't drink. <laughs> it took me 40 years to, to figure that out. And, um, and then, of course, I got obsessed by all that stuff, you know, yeah. like well, health. and. Yeah, yeah. It, well, it was, it was then that I discovered this, and I've been <laughs> on and off these for ever since. So Yeah, yeah, it's, it's amazing. It's, yeah, that's great, man. I, you know, it's, I, was, I was kind of evangelical about it in the beginning, you know, like you've got yeah, – now I'm kind of like I, – I don't go on about it much anymore. <laughs> it's actually – it's more in vogue now, all the green – green smoothies yeah you can, there's like green smoothie bars popping up everywhere I mean, exactly so it's not such a big deal but 10 years ago i was like you gotta do it and it's like yeah but that's cool so so what's the story so where are you you're in england somewhere uh yeah i'm based in london nowadays um okay. uh, i'm from york originally uh but from york? york yeah 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 just outside nice of york. wow um yeah i came out to london one because i mean i've been living in york city for maybe three or four years. And there was actually a really good gypsy jazz scene there for a town the size of it. Leeds just sure. down the road has a, uh, like a conservatoire with a jazz course on it. I was at Leeds. Years oh, ago. really? Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow, amazing. That's where I kind of, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so a lot of those, uh, a lot of the graduates from there stick around and a lot of them are in York. So it made a good one, yeah. Oh, that's nice. So how, how long have you been there then? Uh, about three years now. Okay. Yeah. Cool. What, um, what took you to Amsterdam, Avi? Because that's where you're based, right? Yeah, I mean, I'm in Amsterdam. I've been here for years. Um, we, we, we were living in London. I'm not from London, but we were living there. And that's when we went, we went to the Samoa, you know, we did back in the day. And we got, like everyone else, got, yeah, we man. just wanted to be gypsies. We wanted to be, play this music. Didn't have a clue how, um, still don't really. But, <laughs> but um, anyway, we, and we, we just, we just, had a friend who was living in Amsterdam said he could come and stay. So we wanted to busk basically. So in London, busking was like a pain in the ass. Probably is still today. Actually, uh, yeah. Not much has changed. Yeah. You know, it was like Covent Garden. You had to get a license and queue up with all the other classical people. And yeah, all and, the, all the talented yeah. people. Yeah. yeah all the real, <laughs> real kind of musicians, you know, and there wasn't really, so we were scratching around, you know, I guess just not, you know, like trying to get a little gig in a pub and, just totally skin and but it all sounds very familiar. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And wanted to busk. So we made we made these CDs and we just went to, to Amsterdam and we just suddenly got on this square here, you know, and the the police guy, you know, was friendly and this was it back in the nineties, you know. Mm. And he just said, Go for it and we just went we just started playing and we just immediately as you do when it's a good scene, we just you know, we, we met a load of people, we had crowds, we sold all our CDs we just got such a great reception and uh, for the first time actually had a bit of cash in our pockets and <laughs> you know it was like it was so much fun we just didn't leave basically you know so, so you'd say that the the busking scene is a bit friendlier over there in it it was you know it's changed here a bit just like in the rest of the world really where there's more regulations and sure sure you know at that time it was just sweet spot where you can play you know, with an amp and sell and not kind of be, it was a really thriving scene, the busking scene here, you know, there was like all those yeah. South American bands selling and it was just, it was just a real great laugh, you know, and um, so that's, that's what brought us over here. And in London, we were like, 
you know, we just had a little, we managed to get a residency, you know, for like, you know, a few quid each and high rent and the, the usual yeah. story, you yeah. know, and um, not really. And here was just, it was just like, we could literally go there every day and play, you know. So we just used to do that. We did that for like 10 years. Seems, yeah, it makes sense really, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that, that was fun. That's what orig originally brought us here. You know? Now, here's the thing, because you're obviously quite a famous guitar player. You're also a very famous like educator. You've done a lot of online stuff. You've written books. And that's where a lot of people, myself included, first learned how to play gypsy jazz. Yeah. But if you yeah. wrote those books, well, what were you learning from yeah first learning gypsy jazz how how did you guys learn to play this stuff back then yeah well, well totally hit and miss you know it was like basically before the internet so you know when we were in well when we were in london basically you know we just heard we heard from a mate that this, this might be this festival in in this place called samoa sasane it was all so exotic and mm. you know no google maps and all that stuff and it's just like where and when and it might be this weekend so that we kind of went on a whim, you know, down there with me dad. And then it, it was all romantic and all fantastic like Samoir is. Sure. And that's where we got the inspiration. And we kind of just, that was the first time we saw actual guys, you know, playing these guitars and just like, like everyone else is just blown away. You know, it's mm. like never seen anything like it. I think Seresta, the album from Rosenberg Trio just came out. Nice. The Angelo DeBar album that, the gypsy guitars from John Larson's label. Mm. It was just like, those albums still kill, you know, like still the best playing. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, playing it was another thing. You know, I, I could kind of play blues and a bit of, you know, I was kind of into fusion before that, you know. Okay. Kind of, you know, I started, um, you know, out with Beatles, Stones. Okay, yeah. And um, kind of playing a bit of jazz, but it, it never really got off the ground. You know, that's what I was doing in London originally, you know, a couple of gigs down to 606 and kind of, it, it didn't really, can, but the, yeah. Can, can I just ask, cause there's so many guitar players like that, that start off doing a bit of blues, a bit of rock and then yeah. jazz and it's incredible, but it's, there's such a learning curve to try and try and make it happen. And a lot of people try a bit and they stop and they try again. What, what was it, I mean, what was the, you know, how did you make that leap? Because like I say, for me, it'll be some YouTube video of a guy explaining it with, with numbers and chords. Yeah. And what was it for you that helped well, you learn how to improvise this stuff? Well, literally, there wasn't really any particular guide. It was literally kind of selling the ES125 or whatever the Gibson I was playing and then getting one of these kind of things. I got a John Lavoie. My dad bought me nice. this John Lavoie. And, uh, and it was basically just suddenly not having a drummer, but having a, a rhythm player. It was this older guy I know, still a good friend of mine who, who knew the Django stuff, played a little bit kind of bit of a strange style, but he taught me like Swing 42 and uh, like Deuce Ambiance and uh, just kind of the basic melodies. And I basically just played kind of like still, I, I played the guitar just like I, I was playing the guitar before, but suddenly it was one of these and uh, the rhythm was a bit was a bit different, you know, mm. but I was still kind of improvising, still in the kind of the way I was, you know, mm. and I never learned. So I just kind of, and, and by busking, we were literally playing every day. So, I mean, we, Good practice, yeah. we had five tunes, then six tunes, then 10 tunes, and we would just keep repeating them. And we would just kind of, I've just kind of explore, you know, get mm. these chord changes and 
here little bits, of course. We did visit Stockolo and those guys. I got to know those guys years ago. Amazing. And they're so, you know, sweethearts and, and friendly and everything. And, yeah. you know, really, really encouraging. But also encouraging with being a little bit different, you know. Um, still to this day, it's kind of like I've never really, you know, I never, I never copied a Django solo because it was like, it's too hard, you know. <laughs> yeah, tell me uh, about it, yeah. You know, and uh, all, that, all that kind of shredding stuff. So I've kind of always just kind of done it a little bit just the way I do it. And I've okay. kind of updated my playing and, and hopefully kind of improved over the years. But um, just kind of always kept my ident identity kind of Yeah, thing. man. Because, you know, when I, when I hear you play, like, there's obviously Django, but there's loads of other things going on. And, like, there's something that I just want to ask you about, just... Oh, okay. There was this awesome, um, like, three videos you did with your brother on rhythm, and you were playing, I think, an Ima guitar. Okay. And um, you did three tunes. You did Noir, you did Paquito, and Anniversary. Oh, oh, yeah, I remember those videos, yeah. And it's really, Jesus, great playing. But there were so many fun guitar-y licks that right. are necessarily gypsy jazzy licks. And there's right. one in particular I really want to ask you about. Oh, like, like, I, I just, know it. I no, it's just like, I don't know where it comes from, but maybe you could sort of talk a bit about where these non-gypsy jazz ideas come from. Now, yeah. I think you just, it was just sort of an A minor chord, but you did this like... Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I think it was that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Over A minor, so then you've got. But so, I, I might have gone something like. I've heard Borelli do that, but but like really well, you know. But, but like, so it's using. Okay. You know, yeah, these yeah. notes, so it's like, and then, so it's like twelve to the twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, so twelve to the seventeenth on each of the those notes. kind of thing exactly so yeah. but that but that kind of i've always used that yeah, it's kind of yeah. like a mic that that comes from a kind of mike stern um kind of idea you know like yeah. um yeah man those kind of things are like i think mike stern kind of might maybe inspired that kind of thing and so so that there's one there i mean who are the who are the guitar players that are kind of inspiring you and, and helping you learn outside of Django and, and Gypsy Jazz? Because obviously you do, obviously do George Harrison project, you've done covers of Bob Dylan tunes, um, right. Tainted Love, and so there's right. a, a lot of influences that you're into. Yeah, um, Where are you drawing from outside of Gypsy Jazz when it comes to your improvisation? Yeah, um, I, I, love, I love John Schofield um, yeah. because he's, I just like to hear him play because he, he he kind of struggles a bit with technique kind of thing. So I like to hear him kind of get around changes and not just kind of be all glossy and, and sure uh, sure. So I kind of sometimes in the that kind of inspires me. I love um, I love the flamenco players like Vicente Amigo. Mm -hmm. um, I like those guys a lot. Um, who else? Yeah, the usuals probably. There's probably not like I'm not going to say a name, which is going to be oh really. Okay. I mean, well. I mean, I, I I do like, I mean, for the blue for the feel, I, I love Angus Young, you know. Um, yeah, yeah. And uh, um, 
I, I'd have to say Borelli. Not not that I play like Borelli, but I, I just not just for his monster chop stuff, but for his feel and his mm. his the kind of uh, feel that he gets in notes. Absolutely. Um, and Absolutely. his timing is kind of you know is always like dead groovy. Mm. Um, so I really I like a lot of the humor and the kind of his kind of play, and it's very play, playful. Like, absolutely, um, absolutely. Well, one thing Borelli does, I think, is in the same way that Django would do, is that I think he utilizes the guitar to its strength. So he does things that you can do in the guitar that you can't necessarily do on other instruments. Right. So with, so with Django, of course, you used to have all the kind of um, the little bends like that, or the whatever. Exactly. Um, I, I love it when people play their instruments and make the instrument do what it does very well. You know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like those bands, like, like the, yeah. doing that kind of stuff. Um, I, I like just like stuff which isn't really theoretical, but just going. Yeah, uh, like yeah. Using, using register. So if you go like. And, and, and using different registers, I think. That's something you can easily apply to your playing without, mm. you know, thinking, well, what is that mix, mixolydian locker exactly, thing? Exactly. It's just like, you know, using the guitar. That kind of adds a kind of humoristic kind of human element to it somehow, you know. Yeah, I think there is a tendency with jazz musicians, and this isn't a negative criticism, but there is a tendency of, I want to learn jazz, therefore I should learn to play the most modern outside thing, and the more modern, the better. And I right. think you can sound so musical and, and, and have a really potent sound with stuff that isn't necessarily harmonically complex. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I'm all about that, you know, because, you know, obviously I'm doing a lot of teaching now and helping a lot of players and I get a lot of questions and it's like, I honestly don't think that complex at all. You know, uh, it's, it's basically major or minor or a dominant seventh Absolutely. Um, yeah. If you want to get a bit chords. weird, you, you could go up a fret, go back down a fret. Um, there's a lot of chromatics which stick it all together anyway. So every you know, there's only so many notes from sure. A to B. So sure, it's like, sure, sure. It's kind of like well, lucky on the guitar. You know, if you played sax, you'd have to really understand that, or piano. Uh, you know, you have all those keys. But here we're just kind of sliding up and down. Yeah. So. Yeah, sax sounds like way too much hard work. Yeah, yeah. I don't exactly. know how to do it. Exactly, yeah, yeah. So tell me this then, because obviously nobody's doing any gigs at the minute. We've got the COVID. Yeah. Um, we don't know how long this is going to last. And with every week that goes by, there's another venue that is probably going to have to close down. Now, whenever this does subside, this lockdown, I think there's going to be a lot of musicians. There's going to be a lot less venues. And so I think we're all going to have to... I don't know, we're going to have to adapt for all of us that are going to go online. I mean, how do you think things are going to change for musicians? It's, you know, we, 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 the conversation we're having now, everybody, every, every other music, musician is having at the moment. Yeah. And the truth is we don't really know, you know, some of us have got more concrete. I don't really have like solid ideas on how it will be. It definitely, yeah. is, you know, I, it will, it's kind of changed forever a little bit. Um, I mean, the, yeah, the gig situation, it's just hard to imagine it being the same. It's difficult enough, isn't it? I mean, Absolutely. You know, if, you, like, like we were saying in the beginning about being a jazz guitarist or a gypsy jazz guitarist and trying to make a living playing gigs, mm. you know, when there's 
not that many venues and, and the pay's lousy and it's like um it's difficult enough so now you can imagine like you say some venues saying well we'll just knock it on the head for music we'll you know we'll we'll just that's how they're going to kind of like economize or so i don't really know and obviously everyone's exploring the online territory yeah um, like you're doing now and these things are really positive i find and obviously there's been a lot of positivity coming from the community every musical community a lot of talent pouring out which you haven't seen before mm. and it's it, it's kind of looking for a place to go you know it, obviously if you're already established you know like tommy emmanuel did an online concert last last week 15 bucks a, a ticket probably sold like thousand tickets you probably know. made more money on on that gig than a normal gig you know and he sat in his room like this just plugged into his aer and um away you go mm. you know if, if paul mccartney did that no worries you know um but if you're kind of up and, and you haven't made your name yet um it's kind of tough you know I, it's really tough and mm. so that's the performance side of it and, and i've seen other players you know kind of like kind of stick out the hand and put a paypal thing up and that, that's you know i'm not sure if that's the best way and I, I'm, I'm not you know I don't know if there's if you can really make a living doing it like that. Yeah, yeah. And it's the teaching. Obviously, now everyone, every everyone's an expert teacher. Well, there's a lot of experts around, so it's you know now everyone's offering lessons, of course, which is which is totally good, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, but uh, it's it's all kind of shuffling around, trying to trying to sort itself out. And I'm not sure exactly, but I guess yeah, nobody's really got a quick answer to this, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no. Um, you know, someone like myself has been I've been doing the online kind of thing for the last ten years almost. So it's like, yeah, kind of. Yeah. It's, it's kind of usually I'm used to this kind of stuff. Mm. Now, uh, speaking of cancelled gigs, um, obviously you were just kind of rolling out the the, the Harrison project, the George mm. Harrison project. Right, right. Because uh, you were gonna. That was the gig you were doing at the at the Green Note this month right right in, right, in, right in london yeah 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 um could you tell us a bit about that like uh is this um, yeah 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 um what's it all about yeah well um like i said we used to busk on this square um in amsterdam and one day it was like the gardener from george harrison walked past and bought a cd and gave it to george basically uh-huh. and uh and then and then amazingly enough george called me up and he said would you like to come and play a christmas party he was having at friar park which is his place his what, what did you how did that feel did you did you yeah, think it, did you believe did you believe it was him because no, i don't know not at all no it's <laughs> absolutely you know just life-changing unbelievable ridiculous still still don't believe you know <laughs> but but it was true and we went over there in the about 96 or 95 we went over to friar park and we played in his house and of course he was fantastic great great encouraging and normal guy and and yeah so anyway we got to that's the first time i met him and then many times after that he him and olivia his wife and danny his son you know i played many times over there for danny's 21st for his for olivia's party for whatever so i got kind of got to know him a bit before he passed away i played at his wake also at friar park and uh, met all those guys and it was always amazing of course you know playing one day playing for the beatles next day playing on the street kind of thing (laughs) 
Um, but always inspiring. But um, yeah, just recently, I've well, I've always wanted to kind of bring it together and, and explore. I didn't really know his songs as well. I'm kind of exploring that whole project thing now. Mm. And um, I've, you know, I've, I've done a bit of that before, you know, I made the ACDC album where I kind of took ACDC songs and yeah. worked out how to do it gypsy jazz style, you know, which was really challenging because some <laughs> of those melodies are like back and black. I hit the sack. Yeah. It's like, it's not really nice to work with. It's kind of like, you know, it's like one note or two notes. But the Harrison thing is like really rich. Yeah. So it's, it, but it's trying to do it. It's trying to not make it cor sound corny or, you know, like, you know what I mean? So you can hear Beatles songs or, or those kind of songs in a, in a supermarket, you know, and it sounds yeah. like, you know, or in a lounge or something. I'm trying to make them a bit edgy and a bit put my own character in it. So I've re really been taking my time with that and just exploring his repertoire. And so I've got like 10, eight, eight or 10 tunes. I haven't recorded the album yet. Okay. Um, and I'm just working at arrangements of that. I've got Hank, Hank Marvin, the guitarist. Uh, he's recorded he's recorded on something which is one of his songs and amazing um martin taylor's gonna record on all things must pass and a few other guests like john jorgensen and yeah so it's it's just i really want to do it well and that gig in camden was like uh that was a little bit premature actually to be honest of, of announcing that thing but okay i know that it i know that it was billed as that but it, it will happen yeah and uh yeah. it's really exciting it's, it's a real challenge you know kind of um playing heavy big songs and, and doing them justice you know instrumentally kind of thing what's really fun about it is gypsy jazz to me it's it has this really strong identity it's got this you know pumping rhythm it's got this strong kind of uh, harmony that's the flavor is really kind of you, you could recognize it a mile off yeah and that's his biggest strength but it's also kind of a weakness because it's hard to tamper with it um, right it's hard to as soon as you get rid of that la pomp it's like well is it gypsy jazz is it not <laughs> so d doing these um arrangements of of george harrison tunes and stuff it must be difficult to i don't know keep it gypsy jazz and do, do yeah. you know what i'm saying like yeah 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 i know it's that's, that's a great question and uh, it's kind of like I'm not really thinking gypsy jazz, you know, even though I said, you know, gypsy jazz, it's like, um, it just, it just so happens that I always love playing these kind of guitars, uh, for their sound and their, their kind of character. Mm. Um, and yeah, it's a good question. So I'm not really consciously thinking, but I am thinking, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Let me think. Let me, yeah. What do you think? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's tricky because, in so i've done a lot like wedding gigs where you bring your gypsy jazz trio and you play pop songs that people know right it's, yeah. it's, a, it's a winner and some songs seem to fit perfectly and some don't and so yeah. we we really wanted to work but to get to work it had to kind of break the gypsy jazz mold into something else now that's not unhealthy necessarily um yeah and and i think because again gypsy jazz if you think about it it's been going on for decades and decades and decades and each new generation learns the traditional way and it's still the most popular by a mile. Whereas say rock music, rock and roll or whatever, each generation learns it kind of different from the next. It evolves. Yeah. Gypsy yeah. jazz struggles to evolve in that way. You know yeah. I mean? Um, yeah. I mean, the rhythm, you know, like, like you mentioned, the rhythm that kind of, we all know that kind of defines it as soon as the rhythm player stops, then it's like, Ooh, 
No, no, you're still playing you, you, your hip lines and the, the bass players, but it's suddenly it's like it's, it changes to something else. Mm. There's different schools of rhythm, isn't there? There's you know there's you know, like like Adrian Monyard doesn't play rhythm when he plays rhythm. He's not going to play it like Chabelo Schmidt. Plays. Yeah, of course. Well, but it's very kind of characterful, kind of more gypsy style rhythm. Mm. It kind of evolves. It's getting a little bit more subtle and light, like in like. The, those modern the Paris guys, also mm. those guys in London, which I've seen play amazing. I can't yeah. remember the name, but but more than you know, the younger guys playing the the kind of rhythm. It's not as it's not as kind of heavy. It's a bit lighter, um, which I love as well. Rocky Grissett, you know, yeah, uh, yeah unbelievable player. Absolutely. Um, it, and you know, if you think about it, I mean, it's it's about swing and jazz and and uh, without sounding clunky, you know, it's like I mean, it's you know the I like I like the French guys a lot because it's it's all about jazz, you know, and 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 swing. It's not it's not so categorized and gypsy jazz kind of. And thing. and of course you've got to remember that Django saw his music as jazz. He he just said of course strictly as jazz, you know. Of course he never heard of gypsy jazz, mm. and uh, you know that that's a genius who's always moving and always going forward, and and the rest of us are kind of latching on to a little. A little bit of the wake right you know, yeah. left and taking that and people resonate with the nostalgia of the 30s people like getting dressed up with bow ties or whatever mm. slicking their hair and fair enough you know yeah that, i've never been very good at that part so <laughs> it just doesn't work <laughs> no 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 exactly but you see you see people do that and that that's their that's what they that's what they perceive you know yeah and yeah it's, it, it's funny actually because you know i've got you know, pretty long hair and a yeah. beard. And as a kid, I was really into rock music. So I sort of got the hair and then I, I was playing in a rock band for a while. But when I got into the jazz, I kind of like, uh, I kind of wanted to cut the hair a bit because one, <laughs> well, it's just because you get a gig and um, it's some event like a great Gatsby style event. Right. Everybody's dressed up, looking cool, looking slick. It looks like fun. And then the sort of <laughs> Neanderthal caveman walks into the room with a big beard and just, you just sort of look out of place. But, um, unfortunately, I think if I cut my hair, my beard, my girlfriend would leave me pretty quickly. She'd so yeah, she'd yeah. be out. Yeah. So, um, we'll just have to put it with the caveman for now. I would, I would definitely keep it. And I think, I think that goes for <laughs> any, any kind of idiosyncrasies or anything which is perceived to be out of this music. And I advise, you know, I'm always recommending guitarists, like keep that as well. You know, players who are already really good at something like tango guitar or, 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 or metal or, or mm, it's mm. like, well, you don't have to start again and you don't have to scrub up to play this. Right. You yeah. should be yourself. It, and that is the only way it's going to evolve. You know, if we're all trying to just pretend to, to be someone else and play, play a certain thing, it's I'm not really interested in that. You know, it's, well, it's the diversity um, come through. Well, next time I, uh, I get a dress code to be smart at a gig, I'll say, no nah, man, Robin Nolan told me, He's told me I can wear yeah, what I want. <laughs> yeah, no. I know. Th I think it's way bigger than that. You know, I think you know, um, appearances and stuff. I mean, you look great, mate. <laughs> We're doing our best. So um, I'm jealous of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think I'll go bald. I think this is definitely sticking around for a while, this. So um, you've obviously been... I guess it was was it in the nineties that you moved to Amsterdam? Yeah, uh, and and you've just been doing the music ever since, I guess. Yeah. So you must have seen a lot of changes in mm. the scene, especially in the gypsy jazz community. Which, I mean, it's 
I still see it as a small niche community now, but it must seem ginormous to how it was back in the day. Yeah, exactly. Um, we had a, we had a, we have a weekly Zoom in the Gypsy Jazz Club, which I run, and we had it with Martin Taylor the other night. Yeah. And he, you know, he's like, he's older than me, you know. He's been around, you know, and he was saying like when he was, it was kind of like the seventies or eighties even in the 80s, like really unhip. It was like uncool. It's kind of like how people look at Dixieland or trad okay. jazz. Yeah. It was kind of like Hot Club was just like uncool. Really? And and you would never get a gig at a festival or anything if it was uh-huh. like anything. It's kind of like, oh God, that's kind of like circus music. It's a bit kind of like, they had that reputation. Really? Had that, that it wasn't in vogue. And I guess, you know, it's like since I've been involved with it, you know, I've seen it. Like the first Samoa where I was at was like, you know, Borelli was around and um, Babi Reinhardt, Django's son, um, the Rosenbergs, uh, Angelo, Chavalo, mm. and uh, those players. And, um, and it used to be really niche, you know, obviously. And it's grown because, you know, I guess at the end of the 90s when, when we started playing Buskin and then we did those books and then we did the first couple of festivals over in the States. And then there was, no one knew how to play it there, you know, um, and and it was like they they, they just they, they kind of yeah they, they were they were clueless, you know. So so they started to play, and then and then every then that really took off in the states, you know. Mm. There was hot club bands coming out of everywhere, and. Um, it's kind of, it literally is like that, you know, like Japan, you know, I, I was in Hong Kong just before the lockdown. Um, South America, you know, Sao Paulo, States, Canada, Australia. Now now it literally is, you know, if you find yourself somewhere on the planet and you, you're lonely, you're bored, you just, you, you're going to find some guitarist. Yeah close by you, you can play a bit of rhythm you know yeah yeah you can't move from and that's changed i guess that's in, in 10 years that's you know where it used to be like really like you know when, when you say gypsy jazz was not in vogue or, or, or what have you because I, I even today i still get a sense that in parts of the let's say jazz community gypsy jazz is looked down upon slightly because it's more traditional chord progressions it's not that hip yeah um was that the case back then also yeah i think so yeah i think that's yeah. that was just more exaggerated more more so back then yeah. um and i think it, it's i think it's got more respect these days because because of a lot of the players like you know Birelli, Admiral Munyard, sebastian you know absolutely the guys are kind of like like awesome jazz men you know like who who their lines and everything is so cool so so it it it, it takes it out of that yeah, those guys well, could play with any jazz musician uh, in the world. Absolute, you know? Absolutely, yeah. Um, so it's a weird thing, but I, I think, you know, and ask ask all the great jazz guitarists, you know, they're all going to say they, you know, they've all heard of it. Mm. They're all going to say, you know, yeah, those guys, those guys could shred. And, you know, Mike Stone, I know all, all those guys, and they they really have big respect for yeah. for the gypsy players, you know. And And what about, because... I find gypsy jazz is um, more accepted in the jazz scene and it's becoming, I think in pop culture, there's more of an awareness of it. So there was a time like a year or two ago where I'd be scrolling on Facebook and you'll get videos and it'll be like life hack videos or cooking recipe videos. And the music in the background so often was gypsy jazz. 
Right. Um, it seemed like it's just kind of creeping into the public consciousness. Do, do, do you think the everyday man on the street is more or less aware of Django and Gypsy Jazz, or is it still very underground, do you think? Or I think, uh, I th I think more so. And it, it's funny, like, just talking about this country, the Netherlands, um, when the Rosenbergs in the 90s, the Rosenbergs kind of became household names in the Netherlands. They played they played a lot on TV and they kind of did a lot of theater tours and it was all the Rosenberg trio. And a, a lot of people knew, funnily enough, Django th through the Rosenberg trio here, I guess still, you know, it's like mm -hmm. the Rosenberg trio, then it's like, Oh, they played like Django Reinhardt music, you know? Um, but I think certain countries are different countries are different, but of course, I, I think it's kind of true. You know, you're hearing those sounds. And uh, I think um, if you say Django Reinhardt, I think it's just there's, there's more awareness to on the street, you know, to normal people. Mm, for sure. Of that. You know, I used to do a lot of busking in York, and oh yeah, yeah, and York's a great town for busking because it's a, like a big touristy town, eh? And yeah. um, sometimes, and I'd be doing gypsy jazz, and people would stop and talk to you from time to time. Uh, they mentioned Stefan more than they'd mentioned Django, but you always get people, oh, did you know about his fingers and stuff, and yeah. People, people like to kind of uh, make themselves look like they, they, they know, they know. And one guy said, Avad, you sound a bit like that Rango Jeinhardt, he said. <laughs> perfect. <laughs> I thought, oh, he knows. <laughs> yeah, 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 perfect. Yeah, yeah, people do love to think they know what they're talking about and be able to immediately label and say some, you know, some informed facts about the music. Mm. Um, but I, I think there's, yeah, I think there's a real awareness of this music you know much more than there used to be for sure mm, i think yeah. it's just growing more and more and obviously you've got like the woody allen movies sure you've got other things like that in uh in cinema did did you see the the, the django reinhardt movie that came out like a year or two ago i didn't see i haven't seen it no i haven't seen I know, it either i know the rosenbergs did the music for that yeah. and it's i know it's kind of like a, a sad film you know yeah. about the war about the awful things and so I was never really drawn to go and to go and see it. Um, yeah. I haven't seen it. Obviously, it would be it would be great, and the music I think would be is fantastic. Yeah, no, I've I've listened to the album quite a bit uh, with the yeah, like, there you go. tunes because it's really good. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, it's weird. It's like, you know, it's it's with with listening to music and watching. It's like we're just like you say, we're scrolling and we're like we might. Even with music, you know, like we don't, we don't listen to a full album anymore, would we? we kind of <laughs> to, you know, even even Borelli might even not make it to the end of the track. You know, I might just get you know, <laughs> it's like ridiculous. But. You know, a funny thing about when I moved to London is, um, first of all, with the first job I was doing, it was like a about an hour commute on the tube. Oh so, yeah, which is a bit of a drag. But the one amazing thing about it was I had an hour in the day complete to myself. And so I could listen to an album from start to finish. Right. And I thought I hadn't done that since I was a kid. It was, yeah. it was quite weird. Yeah. 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 That's nice. I guess. It, yeah, that's right. Or in the car. I know, you know, sometimes I'm traveling in the car with someone and they, they stick something on and you've got a bit of a drive and you really actually just, get to focus on one body of music which is yeah. which is awesome right always good always good so look we're getting up to about time before we go um obviously nobody really knows when the lockdown is going to finish but do you have one eye on kind of a post lockdown post apocalyptic world as to uh any plans any obviously you've got the harrison thing you're going to be recording that um you know yeah 
yeah. Yeah, yeah. That that's that's my artistic thing, like the really like the my musical thing. Um, I'm working with Martin Taylor on a couple of things, um, and then I'm all all this time, you know, I'm spending. I've got this thing called Gypsy Jazz Club. Mm. and uh, it's kind of growing. I've got this little community that I basically help play guitar, and I kind of give them personal, you know, I look after everyone individually as well and give them personal videos, and there's a community, and there's lessons. I do, like, these live lessons. So yeah. really, I'm really concentrating on that and kind of putting as much effort as I can in on that, and that's growing. I do these retreats. So we had one in May in L.A., but we moved it to the end of September, so I'm hoping... Sure. You know, that seemed so far away when we moved it. But now it's like, oh, shit, I wonder, yeah, it's I, wonder if it, I wonder if it will. You know, I can't imagine getting an airplane and flying to L.A. at the moment. But yeah, exactly. that is looming kind of thing. Mm. So hopefully that goes ahead. Then I was playing at Django Fest Northwest, which is the, the big festival in the States near Seattle. I was playing there. Um, so I'm hoping that's going to be the post apocalyptic time that you're talking about <laughs> and I, I'm, I'm hoping also that it's going to it's going to feel amazing that it's going to feel we're going to we appreciate just these simplest simple things of meeting up in the pub and having a absolutely, jam or meeting absolutely. in the park and having a play absolutely i think these things are going to feel great and we'll appreciate them um well you know the the lockdown rules here at the minute they they lifted just a tiny bit whereby you're allowed to meet one other person outdoors two meters apart and they even say you can play tennis you can do whatever you want as long as you're not touching so if you're allowed tennis i think you're allowed jazz yeah so um i'm <laughs> teaming up with uh, harry diplock on wednesday is that the guitarist but, yeah yeah that guy's yeah. amazing yeah yeah he's, he's amazing. incredible he, he yeah, lives yeah. like really close by like around the corner amazing. but um yeah, we're going to team up in the park uh, and record it, and that'll be the next episode of Gypsy House Hangouts. Oh, way, oh, way just... better, way nicer uh, surroundings. Yeah. yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Wow, and, uh, great and that, idea. And that'll be the first time I'll, I'll play with somebody for months, I guess. Yeah, you know. I had one guest here the other week, uh, Adrian Holovati, who's a oh, yeah, yeah. founder of Sound Slice. Uh, he lives in Amsterdam, he's from Chicago, and he came around for a little jam, and it was like, it was just awesome. It was just like, whoa, like, <laughs> yeah, we're all playing with backing tracks. So we're all just kind of playing solo guitar, noodly things and yeah, yeah. this and that. But it was just, yeah, it's nice. But well, I, I think I'm just I'm a po pretty positive person. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it all being great man. as soon as possible. Well, speaking of playing in real life, hopefully when the lockdown's done uh, and we're all back out, hopefully it'd be great to be able to do the original podcast we had planned with you in the future one day. Um, Absolutely. I, yeah. would, I would love to do that. And I think it's a great thing that you're doing, doing this kind of thing and talking to players. And I think it's wonderful. Oh, really cool. fantastic. Well, I look forward to being in London. Yeah. Yeah. No, me too, man. And uh, hey, look, really great to meet you. Uh, good luck with the rest of the lockdown. Yeah, you too. And uh, we'll talk again soon. Awesome, mate. Thanks, Robin. Cheers, Gordon. Cheers, buddy. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.